Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. This is the podcast with the unpopular opinion that progressive politics still has a lot to offer the modern world. I'm Stephanie Lloyd, and with both Henna and Stefan getting some well-earned rest, uh, I will be your substitute host for the day. And I'm joined by my wonderful colleague and previous superstar of this podcast, Katie Curtis. Katie, how are you? Not bad, thank you. So today we've got a very serious issue to discuss. One that we've discussed numerous times on this podcast before and that is anti-Semitism and the crisis that's taken over the Labour Party. On Wednesday night, the long-awaited BBC Panorama documentary aired, and it sought to answer the question, is Labour anti-Semitic? Katie, we were both watching the programme last night, although not together, but how did you feel when you were watching the show? Well, first off, I think I just lied to you when I said I'm not bad, because actually I am bad today. I'm bad, I'm sad, and for many parts of... This morning I've been mad at what's gone on. Um, I didn't want to watch last night's programme. I'd uh, decided not to uh, because I didn't need any more reasons to be disgusted at the Labour Party and gutted uh, that I was a member. Uh, But I thought I owed it to people I campaign with, people who I sit alongside in CLP meetings with, uh, to watch and to see what what was being said, and I felt awful. Mm. I felt really, really awful. We did this. We did a podcast back in February. Um, me, you, and Alison. Me, you, and Alison. And I listened to it again recently. And I said on that day that I was heartbroken by what was happening with anti-Semitism, and actually, that was nowhere near how I felt last night. I it got to ten o'clock and just wanted to sit there and cry just didn't know what to do with myself no I felt really similar and I I was I was almost quite surprised by it because I thought you know we're very different in the sense that we work in this every single day we've followed the kind of twists and turns lots of these people we're very close to who appeared more of the kind of Jewish activist side rather than the the labor staff side and I just thought I, I thought I was honestly becoming a bit numb to it all, which I find quite scary in and of itself. But watching that last night, I mean, literally within the first minute, as soon as it kind of flashed up on the screen, I had tears in my eyes. And it is one of those things where it is it is such there are so many dark days for the Labour Party now. But that I feel must be absolutely one of the worst that we've seen. And I just want to say, kind of, before we go into talking about 
what we learned from the show, what was in the show and the kind of responses that people had and how they can tackle some of this, you know, my heart goes out to, and I will always stand with, uh, and I think we're both the same in this one and everyone that works at Progress, with all of those unbelievably brave Jewish activists who spoke out last night against the racism that they receive on a daily basis, and also those unbelievably brave whistleblowers who were former Labour Party staff who joined the party and worked for the party because it was something they believed so deeply in. And for them to have to be put in a situation where they have to come out and whistleblow, I think is an absolute testament to just how low the party sunk, really, in terms of its machinery. So I just wanted to kind of put on record for them first our absolute thanks to what they've done and just say you're absolute heroes in in all of our eyes. So let's move on and talk about what we kind of learned from the show. So what what kind of stuff were they talking about? So obviously there was there's a huge amount of contention around what was going to be what was going to be in the program, but what did we learn from the show last night? So we hadn't we saw that there was only uh, 15 members have been expelled so far uh, for anti-semitism. Which in the program it was made the point was made, oh that's great, that's fifteen less anti-Semites in the Labour Party. A party of half a million people. Um from when we know there's been thousands and thousands of um cases put to the party. I can't believe only fifteen of those cases could be proven that someone had been anti-Semitic. Mm. So that was quite extraordinary. I mean, it's the first time that the party have, have put a number mm. uh, on it, uh, but I think that was quite extraordinary. I think the one thing is the the leadership interference. Yes. Yes, so there was a huge amount of discussion that's kind of gone and around that. There's been numerous stories over the last couple of years about how much the Labour Party leadership and particularly the kind of staff around Jeremy and his kind of office within Parliament, his private office, and then also the kind of General Secretary's office. And we saw numerous cases of bundles of paperwork being taken over to uh, Westminster, to Jeremy's office to kind of go through and help the leadership help sift through that those kind of complaints, which is unheard of and unprecedented in the party. And also then we saw kind of emails from Seamus Milne, which the party are now kind of very heavily uh, disputing in terms of how they've been edited and also emails from Jenny Formby. And even the, the bit that worried me the most in some of that was that when she said, oh, well, I've deleted this email now. So there was a case where uh, it was the NCC, it was Jackie Walker's case. And the NCC, for those of you that don't remember what a lovely life you lead, uh, is the National Constitutional Committee. And that's the kind of highest disciplinary body within the Labour Party. And it was during kind of Jackie Walker's case and Jenny had emailed Jeremy's personal email, which is something in and of itself. And then also um, had emailed uh, Seamus Milne and Carrie Murphy saying, I'm going to get involved. In, you know, we need to get involved in this a little bit more. We need to change. You know, there were suggestions of changing the composite of the panel and making them, you know, possibly making them speed up because it was taking some time. But, you know, that level of interference. We had Ian McNichol on the programme, former general secretary, just saying this would have never happened before. I mean, yes. And so this idea that um, this has always been the case in the Labour Party is is one of the charges we hear all the time, that this isn't new, that anti-Semitism has always been in the Labour Party and the way that we've handled things have always been the same. Actually, 
I think last night proved that that's not true. Uh, and the fact that the leader's office want to get involved in certain specific cases. Cases involving Jeremy's lifelong supporters. So, yes. Uh, I mean, we can't get away from that. The, uh, the people that we, the names that we've heard even today shows that there's, there's one rule for my mates and one rule for others. Uh, and that's certainly not what we should be doing when it comes to fighting racism. And um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Labour Party member because I'm a trade unionist. And to watch in last night just how workers have been treated by the party of workers made me livid. It made me so annoyed. And, and the reaction to these people online by Jeremy Corbyn supporters has been pretty disgusting, if I'm honest. It has. And as we say, there was those kind of eight unbelievably brave whistleblowers who, and let's be clear, had been made to sign non-disclosure agreements when they left. because And, and, and lots of those people were saying, you know, I left because I just couldn't do it anymore. I was having, it had affected so many of their mental health so bad that people were saying they were having breakdowns, they'd been signed off sick. And they were being made, the only way that they were allowed to leave was if they signed non-disclosure agreements. You know, the only way they could get out of such a horribly toxic environment was if they signed non-disclosure agreements, agreed to never talk about what happened. And that for me doesn't look like a particularly transparent process of which you've got nothing to hide in. And, you know, let's be clear, like these, as you say, these people proclaim to come from a trade union movement. And for me, one of the the bit that broke, I mean, it, uh, so much of it broke my heart in some ways, but Sam Matthews, who used to be the head of disputes, who has had legal action taken forward against him now, once they knew that he was going to be one of the people that came out and whistleblowed. So they'd instructed their party lawyers to get in touch with him and say, you've got a non-disclosure agreement, you can't be breaking this. Literally said in the programme that he felt so powerless and at points so complicit to this cover-up that was going on this kind of institutionalised way of kind of trying to cover up anti-Semitism as much as possible. They were downgrading suggestions of which they'd made on sanctions and referrals to the NCC, that he 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 contemplated sending his resignation letter to Jenny and then going to the balcony in her office and jumping off of it to commit suicide. How, as a party of anti-racists, of social justice, of equality of fairness, of workers' rights, as you say, how do we how do we get somewhere like that? And, you know, I think maybe it's utterly obvious now why the Equality and Human Rights Commission is doing their investigation. Well, all of those things is what I thought the Labour Party stood for. It's the reasons I joined 25 years ago and have stayed a member all this time. I think we're kidding ourselves if we think that is what the party stands for now because it obviously doesn't. Mm. Um, and the fact that people were forced into the non-disclosure agreements so quickly, like you say, when they were signed off sick. and Deeply just, vulnerable. Um, young, mm. vulnerable. I mean, it's just, it's disgusting. Let, let's let's say what it really is. It's out of order. And if it was happening in any other workplace, there would be many union figures that have the ear of Jeremy Corbyn that would be calling people out. Well, would they? That maybe might be the slightly scary prospect that maybe they wouldn't. So we, obviously we kind of, you know, the programme kind of went through, it interviewed numerous Jewish members in terms of just how hostile they find the Labour Party now. It went through and obviously spoke to the whistleblowers in terms of the process that was going on and the interference that was going on. 
in the complaints processes and how that works. But one of the things that was also the kind of stream of was trying to kind of get to an understanding as to why this has happened. Why there was anti-Semitism in the Labour Party before. Of course there was. But but why, since Jeremy's election, has it become somewhere that so many people with these anti-Semitic views feel can be their political home? And, and it was really trying to get to that understanding of, you know, how did we get here? And one of the things that really stood out to me was uh, Dave Rich made a very, very remarkable comment where he said, for someone who insists he's such a principal anti-racist that poses anti-Semitism in all of its forms, it is truly remarkable how many times he finds himself sharing a platform with people who are diametrically opposed to these views. And the example that they gave was in 2012, Jeremy Corbyn campaigned to let a notoriously anti-Semitic preacher into Britain. And this was a guy called Rahid Sala. Um, and he had previously called Jewish people the germs of all time and had blamed them for 9-11. And in the in knowing that information, he had invited him to Parliament. Jeremy had invited him to Parliament, assured him a warm welcome, and that he would get tea on the terraces of the House of Commons, because that was what he deserved. And when all of this anti-Semitism at the time was pointed out to Jeremy, he said, we'd never said anything like that to me. And I think this really says a lot. And there is, you know, it is important to talk about how we've got into this situation and the kind of worldview that Jeremy has spent a lot of time cultivating himself and surrounded by lots of these people who in no way see how Jewish people could in any way be victims of racism. Because for them, they see victims of racism as people who are oppressed, who don't have power, and they see Jewish people as all-powerful and all-encompassing. And it harks back to those anti-Semitic tropes. And I, I, I mean, I imagine you're the same, Katie. Like, I've lost count of the amount of times that people have said to me, why? How has this become a problem? I mean, people in the real world, when I talk to them, they, they can't believe that this is happening. But it very much is. And I think the problem now is, A, acknowledge that it's a problem, but how we respond now. Well, exactly. So what what do you think of the Labour Party's response to this well, whole process? I mean, up in, in the days uh, previous uh, to the show being aired, it looked like panic. Yeah. I mean, the the leadership, the, the party from a top was sending out so many different forms of communication that was saying it was going to be a hatchet job before they even see, seen the programme. They were disparaging to the journalist, even though we all know that Jeremy Corbyn signed an EDM praising him in the past. Uh, and so, I, I mean, their response was was frightening, actually. No, I agree with you. And I think, you know, one of the things that I couldn't quite believe was the kind of briefing that we saw leaked by, uh, that Paul Wall had had obtained uh, previous to the show going out about that was going out to MPs and outriders that was like, you know, the first point of it was that there's a there's a there's a program on Channel Four Dispatches tonight about Tory Islamophobia. Amplify, amplify, amplify that. And it is this idea of it's the obfuscation, it's the what aboutery, it's the smearing them in terms of what they're doing. And if you're deflecting and minimising what's happening here and not asking the victims how you can help them, then you are also part of the problem. And this is where that institutional note of that comes in. And their Twitter account, the press team's Twitter account throughout the whole programme were tweeting all of these things of like, this is a lie, this is a smear, this is... It's like, how are you in no... Like, 
someone has literally said they nearly contemplated suicide because of what had happened. And how is that your first human response? And one of the things that I was not surprised by, but also was some of the members of the shadow cabinet, one, just how utterly silent they have been on this issue. You are the leadership of this party. But also to Andrew Gwynn's uh, response and contribution in the programme, I actually thought was was pretty shameful, to say the least. And his refusal to support the whistleblowers and his refusal to comment on Labour's handling of that. And you you don't get to say when you are a member of the shadow cabinet of the Labour Party, I'm not going to talk about that. That's not my thing. That's not how I'm going to play this. You are meant to be the party of workers. And if you are not going to protect people who are whistleblowing to stand up against racism, then what on earth are you doing in the Labour Party? And I think for me, that's what showed, it's what it's what took all the, any kind of hope at points I had left away because I was like, if people like you can't even bring yourself to really understand what the problem is, don't go on there and go, one anti-Semite is one too many. What are you going to actually do about it? And I think one of the things you shouldn't do is become uh, the person that has to go out and defend the indefensible. Yeah. Like these are people I had deep respect for mm. that I have none for today. Yeah. Uh, where is the shadow uh, minister for women and equalities? Where, where, are, where are these people? What are they saying? And actually just on the um, tweets that came out of the Labour press team and also from the press releases and the stuff that's come from their outriders there was hundreds and hundreds of words but never the one word that needs saying and that's sorry that's all we need to do now is say sorry and there are other things that uh, we need to uh, to do uh, going forward um, to make sure that this is uh, this issue is put to bed and, and sorted properly. I mean, for me, it's taking part in fully in the EHRC um, investigation, making sure those emails that weren't done from proper, fully authorised Labour Party going emails. through the Unite accounts. servers now. So mm. ones that go through the Unite servers, that they're made available to the investigation team. So we need to do that. But also I think that we there needs to be a more... Um, a wider inquiry into what's happening in the Labour Party and the Conservative Party uh, with the with racism, and I, I think this is so damaging to our democracy that there needs to be an independent inquiry, very much like the McPherson report, into what's happening in political parties and racism. I agree with you. I think the other things that need to really come out of this now as well, because you know, as we say, it, it is utterly heartbreaking, but also you know their bravery needs to be matched by actions now. And, you know, we need to see, we saw Tom Watson and Keir Starmer come out again for a kind of fully independent complaints procedure. This is something we've been calling for for years. And, you know, I think last night, I mean, if you ever needed a reason as to why that was necessary, last night is the kind of case and point for that. But also if you're not already joined the Jewish labour movement, if you are Jewish yourself, you can join as a full member. If you're not, you can join as an affiliate and a supporter. And, you know, really, really kind of, you know, get involved with them, support them. You can donate to their action fund if you already are, because these people, this is only going to stop by organisation and by resource, because calling out racism and being able to challenge that in a systematic way is 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 resource intensive. And what an unbelievably brave group of activists that we have within the Labour Party that have been let down time and time again. And the other thing that I'll say as well, and it was one of the other things that 
had me in tears um, is Call It Out because an unbelievable activist called Rebecca Filer, who's an amazing Jewish activist, turned around and said when she hears anti-Semitism in meetings, she's scared that no one else will say it. And she was scared that no one else will call it out and that it will always be left to them. So the big takeaway from this is it is utterly heartbreaking. There's no other way of doing that. But now is the time for action. And if you can support them in any way possible and also make sure that you call out racism whenever you see it. So that was a bit of a sad episode of the Progressive Britain podcast, I'm afraid, but one of the most important issues that's currently facing the Labour Party. But please do share this with other people who are unsure as to where we go with this. And, and as always, please rate us, subscribe to us and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be back on Tuesday with a full episode of the Progressive Britain podcast. Have a great weekend. Bye. You've been listening to the Progressive Britain podcast. The music was One in the West by Blue Dot Sessions, licensed under Creative Commons, and many thanks for our fantastic and long-suffering producer, Caroline Crampton. Mm-hmm.